He also is God, not some God of some other time, not some God of some fable or something like that, but it's our Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Well, I want us to pray, and we're not getting a long time here because we have a kind of a shortened version of Sunday school today so that we can get upstairs in time for the transition. Of course, you probably know that the children have a special little parade upstairs, and you may have guests that you want to meet upstairs, and getting a seat can be challenging. So we're going to we're going to head out of here in just a few minutes, probably in 15 minutes or so. But I do want to pray, and I'll tell you what I want you to help me pray about. I want, to, I want you to pray because there are so many visitors that are here at Calvary Tabernacle and across this nation, not just our church, but across this nation, there are people in church that don't normally attend church that they need to feel the power of God today. They need a God convincing today. There is nothing like a God convincing. And that's what you call the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I, I want us to pray that we will hear tremendous reports, not for the sake of hearing the report, but for the sake of the souls. So join with me with that simple prayer right there. Lord Jesus, we ask today that you will pour, <laughs> that you'll pour out your spirit, Lord, in churches across this nation and around this world, God. I ask, Lord Jesus, that people that seldom come to church but for some reason have come today, I ask, Lord, that you'll give them a Holy Ghost convincing of your power, of your love, of your, of your resurrection, God, of your eternality, God. Give them, Lord Jesus, a touch of your spirit, I pray. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Let it be, I pray, in Jesus' name. Let there be somehow a getting past, Lord, just the Easter routine and the, and the Easter clothes and parade and all that stuff. God, let there be a cutting to the chase to your spirit, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand praise for his resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I am so glad to be in church today, not just because it's church, but that's an important thing, but because it's Easter. It's Resurrection Day. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like for us to turn in our Bibles. We're going to have to do this in a bit of a, a, a uh, condensed version, although I planned on a shorter period of time, so that's not a problem. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. This seems a little loud. Is it just me or is it, is it a little bit? You might turn that down just a little bit, Kevin. I appreciate your work. It looks a little bit much there. Matthew 28. And in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. I'm reading from Matthew 28, verse 1, now verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now, let's pretend that you're directing a play right now. Who are the cast right now on stage in this play? Soldiers called the keepers in this chapter. Who else? Mary and Mary. And who else? The angel. Okay. That's the cast for this most 
important scene in the life of Jesus Christ. Where were the throngs? Where were the apostles? Where were the followers? Imagine just from a human perspective now. Put yourself back in elementary school and you're in a, in a, in a play and you're the lead, and you're getting ready to come onto the, you know, onto the stage, and, and the little kids pull back the curtains, and you're nervous, and you're getting ready to step out and, and say your line, and you look out, and all you see is a couple of family members, the angels, and the guys that were the keepers of the curtain, Nobody's in the audience. Jesus could have said, what did I memorize my lines for? Where is everybody? Hello? Who'd I die for? They weren't there. Let me propose to you something. The Jews didn't have a very good history of getting it when things were prophesied. I'm not just knocking the Jews. The Christians now weren't there. Well, they they didn't know that Jesus was going to resurrect. Hadn't he said something about that? You destroy this temple, and and in what? In three days, I'll raise it up. You ever wonder about this? I'm I, this 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 time of the um, this Lent season. Is that what you call it? That's not even a Pentecostal really a term. But the last several weeks, I've just been every day. I've been almost everybody. I'm trying to read through this story of. death and burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is the culmination of what it was all about. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And now he's slain and he comes back to life and nobody's there to see him. That's right. Nobody. (laughs) Now Mary and Mary came to do what? To see the resurrected Savior? No, they came to anoint the body again. Now, I I don't want to beat up on these people, but I've got a bigger point. And I have a point that I, I, I need, I feel in the Holy Ghost, I've got to apply to us today. Jesus is born. Prophesied through the centuries where he would be born. Born to a virgin mother. All these prophecies. And you've heard some of these figures before, and I was, I've been going over them, and all this stuff's ruminating in my heart and in my head. And if you took only eight of the prophecies about Jesus Christ, 
the odds are one in a hundred trillion that they would come to be for one person. You've heard me say this before. If you take one silver dollar and you put it somewhere in Texas and you cover the whole state in silver dollars, the whole state of Texas in silver dollars two feet deep, and you take a blind person after you mix all those silver dollars up and say, go find it, one in a hundred trillion, the odds of it being Jesus born like that. It's not chance. It's prophecy that came to happen. But yet when Jesus was born, as prophesied as it was, who was there? His mom. Well, that's kind of a shoe-in. Moms are usually there at the birth of their kids. Dad was there. He was probably outside pacing up and down, you know. Who else was there? The shepherds. But God told them personally through the angels. Who else was there? The three wise men. Well, yeah, that was later and, and so on. But who could look up information about the birth of Christ? Who could figure something out about it? It was the people that Herod turned to in Jerusalem. And they said, aye, a king's been born. Well, what does the Bible have to say? What's, what's a scripture have to say about the birth of a king? And they knew the knowledge. But they weren't looking for the Messiah. They weren't there at the manger scene. Because it was in their head, but it wasn't in their heart. They had been raised with a knowledge of the prophecy of the birth of their Messiah, but they weren't living in expectation that would modify their behavior to get them to walk to the place of their birth. So Jesus comes on the scene. Or mom, I guess you'd say a stepdad, and some shepherds. that God said, I want to have a strong type and shadow who the first visitors will be to my birth. Those weren't just my understanding from what I've read. I'll qualify that. But my understanding is the sheep that those shepherds were watching were not just regular old sheep. I don't know this to be accurate, but I've read it in commentaries that they were sheep for the temple to be slaughtered. The ones who were watching the sheep who were going to be slaughtered came to watch the lamb who was going to be slaughtered. God doesn't miss those types and shadows. He carefully scripts them. But where was everybody? He missed it. God spoke to Noah and said, build an ark. There's a flood's going to come. Were people told about the flood? Yeah, Noah preached this thing for years, for decades. And this ark was a silent witness to the community of 
the prophecy of God But who was in the ark? Noah, wife, three sons, their wives. What were the masses? This was salvation. This was passage to that new life after their death of the earth, if you will. It's a type of the rapture. Where were the masses? We can go into the reasons and the rationale by why more people didn't come onto the ark. And that deserves some attention. We don't have time to do that. We could go into the reasons and the rationale about why more people maybe weren't there at the tomb when Jesus came back to life, the fear factor and, and all that kind of stuff. But the Jews had a history of missing it. Here's my concern, and here is my challenge in the Holy Ghost to you today. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, the Bible talks about the evil. But my concern is, how many people will know, because they've been preached to, about it's time to get on board that ark, if you will. But they'll be like the people that Herod turned to, that understood but didn't live it. God, help us to live in expectation for the next appearing of Jesus Christ. Something's been stirring in my heart lately. And I, I won't get into all that, but something's been stirring deeply in my heart lately. And I've run across a couple of other things that I've read lately that have been unique. And I don't have time, and I didn't plan to get into them. It's, it's not going to happen here. But God, help us to learn a lesson from the Jews who weren't ready, who missed the show, if you will. God, help us. I want you to turn with me to a couple people. <laughs> they didn't miss the show. I love this. I love these people. Luke. I got to read this quickly. Luke 2, 25. Jesus was taken to the temple. We're talking about people that didn't miss the birth of Christ. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came, how? By the Spirit. God help us to be led of the Spirit. God help us to have the Spirit but to be led of the Spirit. Folks, here's an example of people who will be raptured. They're people that have the Spirit who are led of the Spirit. Now, you and I, like Simeon, we have been told about the Lord's coming. We've been reminded. God, help us to wait patiently. Help us to be effective and productive and wait on the Spirit, led of the Spirit. Can't come by the Spirit. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child. 
And he goes on to make prophecies and so on. Verse 36, And there was one Anna, a prophetess. She was of great age. Verse 37, And she was a widow of 84 years old, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Why was Anna there? Because she served God in prayer and fasting night and day. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. But some things don't come up but by prayer and fasting. Some things don't get worked out or solved or figured out or conquered or prepared for, if you will, by that kind of stuff. But the Barkas, you make it sound like nobody's going to be there. No, 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 no. There's going to be a church that's raptured. But it's going to be people full of Simeons and Annas who are led of the Spirit, who know how to pray, who know how to fast, who know their God's voice, who know the sound of the trumpet. Yesterday, we were at a party for Sister Nick's over at the Pastor's Cafe. And they were serving food, and they had some roast beef there. And they must, apparently, they were out of knives by the time we got there. And we had a fork, and we were trying to cut this roast beef, and it wasn't working. And so I pulled the knife out of my pocket. I started cutting it, pocket knife. And uh, so we started talking about pocket knives. Who is Kenny? Who is that man? I know his name, Brother Cordell. I, I always try to call him a different name, Brother Cordell. Brother Cordell is a member of Calvary Tabernacle. Um, if this is the congregation upstairs, he sits about right over there. He's old. His hands are all gnarly with arthritis. He was a Boy Scout leader for 17 years at Calvary Tabernacle here. Probably your dad was in his troop, Candy. And when after I pulled a pocket knife out, he reached into his pocket with his gnarly hands, and he pulled out this old pocket knife. He could hardly hold it, and he put it down, and it was a Boy Scout knife which sounds a little hokey. He said, I haven't used that thing in years. Truthfully, his hands probably didn't have the strength to open it. Now get past the hokiness of this right now. But he was trained as a Boy Scout to be prepared. That sounds a little corny. But even though the doctor would say, why are you carrying a knife? Your hands can't even open it. There was some kind of a training that he was living, that he was living, that said, I got it. <laughs> I'm not putting it down. Because I'm going to be ready. Now, that's a silly little illustration, but God help us not to put it down. Five wise virgins Five foolish virgins. I read commentary after commentary, and they said, oh, the foolish virgins were foolish because they didn't have oil. Wrong! The story says their oil ran out. They came with a lamp full of oil, but during the night, it all burned up. The problem, they didn't have provision for a longer wait. They weren't expecting it to take more time than they hoped 
it would take. They were only foolish because they were thinking in their terms, not in God's terms. So like Simeon, we've got to be led of the Spirit. Anna, we've got to pray, we've got to fast. <laughs> Brother Cordell, <laughs> we prepare. The wise virgins tell us, have a plan to stay full. That's who we're going to be today. Oh, well, I hear the trumpet. Well, I know it. Oh, what am I? What do I do to be saved? And all, and 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 will I? Sometimes people freak so much out about all that kind of stuff. The other day, I was trying to make. I guess it was Friday. Trying to make some spaghetti, and the package was open, and and I held it upside down. That's not a good thing with spaghetti. Giant maze of pickup sticks on the kitchen floor. I didn't drop it all. I dropped. Enough, though. And I did pick it up, and I swept it, and I got it up because it was my mess. Now, now, this, is, now this is one of those corny Chuck Barkas illustrations, but listen, i got to let you go. It, it just kind of hit me. This is like, <laughs> it's a Chuck Barkas illustration, I apologize. What did the spaghetti have to do to get raptured, picked back up? All it had to do is sit there and say, I'm spaghetti. Because it was my job to pick them up. It wasn't their job. They didn't have little spaghetti meters that say, tick, 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 time's coming, pick me up. All it was doing is sitting there saying, come and get me. The spaghetti's job was to be spaghetti. Our job, be Christian. God will get us. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, help us, I pray, God, to be ready. I thank you, God, for the time that you came to this earth and were born. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the time when you came back to life, God. <laughs> but Lord Jesus, when you come this time, I am not going to let it be a scene with nobody to see it. Jesus, help us to be ready. Help us to learn a lesson. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So be it. God bless you, everybody. I need to let you get upstairs. Happy Easter.